Hello and welcome to episode 19 of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. I am your host, Corinne Nidja, and this episode is with Christine and she shares her incredible story of living with polycystic ovarian syndrome and you know very few infrequent periods over a span of eight years where she was desperately trying to fall pregnant with her first baby. And I don't know, this episode for me almost isn't so much about how she adopted a mostly low-fat, whole-food, vegan diet and more just about the incredible story itself. I just was really moved by this story as a woman and a mother and someone who I, I never had any issues with fertility myself, but I know so many women who have had polycystic ovarian syndrome, who have had infrequent periods, who have struggle with infertility and IVF and who are still or were, you know, desperate to start their families. So this story really moved me and I know that so many women out there will be moved by this story. It has such an incredible outcome, which you find out in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> But yeah, you'll find it in the thumbnail as well. So yes, so she had eight years of infertility and then she was blessed, blessed, blessed to conceive triplets, which is just mind blowing. As a mother of just singletons, I can't imagine that going from eight years trying to get pregnant and then to get pregnant with three babies at once is just a miracle. So her story is truly incredible. She, Chris, sorry, she, Christine, you know, she feels that when she adopted, after trying everything like holistic um, medicine, alternative medicines, IVF, all the different types of things, and she really credits adopting a low-fat whole food vegan diet, helping her to regulate her periods, helping her to then be eligible for the IVF program, and also helping her to lose some weight along the way as well. So yes, her story is incredible. Thank you so much, Christine, for sharing your story. Your babies are so beautiful. I really love speaking with you and looking at all your beautiful photos of your beautiful family and just hearing about the struggles. You know, so many women are aren't like I, I was so blessed with my pregnancy, my births, and being able to hold my babies straight away. So I can't even begin to fathom what it was like to go through what you went through. And I know that so many women will benefit from hearing that they're not alone, that other women are out there who are also struggling or who have struggled and have come out the other side with some beautiful babies. So thank you so much again and enjoy episode 19. So hello, Christine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm really good. So I've given you a little bit of an introduction in the pre-recorded intro and if you'd just like to expand on that and share your story with um, the list of listeners, that would be fantastic. Sure. I am t Christine. I am 29 years old. I have recently given birth to tr three triplet boys. Holy cow. Congratulations. <laughs> it's a bit of a crazy time for me. I've, I've got a condition that's called PCOS and it it causes me to have cysts on my ovaries and it causes a, lot, causes a lot of grief for my hormones and it becomes very imbalanced, causing a lot of issues like facial hair, irregular periods, weight gain, a few things like that. And I've had this since having, um, I guess, 
my regular cycle. Um, it's never been very a normal cycle like girls should. I have been, I was on the pill until 19 and once I was off it, I found out through blood work since my cycle didn't turn up uh, that I had PCOS. I then did a form of medication called metformin and it's meant for diabetics to try and regulate your insulin levels since PCOS is linked to sugar intake and it's linked to all your hormones and it still didn't help function my system and as the years went on and the older I got the more I would like to have kids one day and it causes a lot of issues for fertility when you don't have a cycle that often and then you find out that you don't ovulate normally like a normal person. That, that would have been really worrying if you're, you know, if you're wanting to have children and you, you don't have a cycle. It is a bit worrisome and as I got older and the more I was trying, I went to professional um, people for fertility and they put you on other medication to help ovulate and stimulate you to drop an egg to try and have a baby. And the first couple of rounds didn't work for me with the medication. I ended up having a few years where I thought, well, I will Google and find out whatever information I could find for myself to try and see what other people are going through with the same condition. And I stumbled across I Love Raw Jam on YouTube. And she has the same condition as me and she went vegan and her cycle went back to normal. She had tests to try and see if she was fertile. She's 100% all good. And it kind of opened my eyes to think, well, if I ate a certain way, maybe I could do the same thing and be able to have kids on my own. So I went on my journey of being a vegan for a bit. I started with Raw to Four. I did the I Love Raw Jams um, diet cycle. I did juicing, raw um, eating, and then eventually I got so busy work, working quite long hours that I had food delivered that were quite healthy meals in my area, um, which are called Revive Canteen. They're linked in with uh, Secret Creek Cafe that's locally where I live. Where do you live? Um, so I, I live in the end of the Blue Mountains and Secret Creek Cafe is in Lithgow. Oh, wow, yeah. Yep. And they have a sanctuary where all these animals are protected and they're pretty cool. So they have a spin-off company that's for, like, delivery meals. And and they're vegan meals, yeah? Vegan meals, yeah. So it made me so I could focus still eating well, but I could go to the gym, work hard at work. And I was very determined to try and win at this episode that I was trying to go through of this goal that I wanted of having kids. So, and because I guess I didn't want to wait around to see if my body would regulate on its own in case I missed the opportunity by the age I wanted to be, 
I went to IVF and they said to me I was too heavy for cycles to go with them and I had to drop enough weight for a cycle to use for IVF. So my goal was to get under a BMI level through to start IVF cycle and I dropped 16 kilos to start that. I find it a bit difficult that they go through a BMI input to find if you're healthy or not to start a cycle when I was working out five days a week and putting on muscle mass, which I was quite healthy and the weight goes up, but then it's muscle, not fat. So it was a bit of a to and throw, me getting angry at myself sometimes, but I know I'm doing the healthier option to get to the point that I got to. I did a, my first cycle with medicine from IVF. They, that was in February, this, um, 2017. And with my first cycle of medicine, I was told I, they regularly test throughout the couple of weeks of taking the medicine. Yeah. And my body had over 50 eggs stored in my system that were too small. But out of the 50 eggs, I grew one at 18 mils and two in the other ovary for 12 mils. And they said that they only take 18 mils or higher for doing an operation. So they didn't want to act on for one egg just for one operation for that one egg because they can harvest the rest of the eggs to do multiple cycles afterwards. So devastated, they said, just try and drop that one egg with the last medication round of ovulation and see if we could catch that one egg. And my body dropped all three eggs and I became pregnant with three babies. Holy cow. Uh, The nurses that were part of the IVF have never had someone fall on their first try, haven't fallen pregnant with triplets so it's a bit of a big scenario for them. Um, without being vegan to start all this off, from something that's gone from a re- irregular period of four cycles a year or less to a very normal cycle now, you, you can't start IVF without having your cycle. You've got to start it when you have a cycle. So I couldn't even, if I didn't have a regular cycle to start, I would have had to wait months and months and months and months before I could even start something. So I find that eating the way that I did helped me achieve the goal that I wanted. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's so amazing. What a story. So you have three, did you have, are they identical? No, because uh, identical was when an egg split. Oh, so same I had eggs, three yes, eggs. Three drops, eggs. Not Sorry. Well, uh, uh, boys and girls? All boys. All so boys. It's so even a less of a chance to have all of them to be the same sex. Yeah, wow. Yeah. What are their names? Is that okay? Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, so the Onyx, then Odin and Orion. So they're all start with an O. It made the nurses a bit crazy in the beginning, trying to figure out who's who and all being an old. Beautiful names, though. How old are they now? So they're corrected. Technically, they're two and a bit months, but they are five months. So they were born uh, about three months earlier than they should have been born. So they're born at twenty-eight weeks. Oh wow, they've made teeny. 
yeah, tiny. The the went from one point three nearly to one point two and one point one kilos. A regular baby would have been all of them combined. Oh wow! How do you feel wanting one baby and ending up with three babies? I feel pretty blessed. It was very long road. Eight years of trying to have a baby to get to this stage, and I feel like if I gave up and just threw in the towel, but that's not my personality. If I want something, I'll strive for it, even though it might take me ages. Yeah, I will go for it. So I think having that perseverance, even though there's a lot of pitfalls when you get depressed or, you know, you get backtracked or, you know, there's always another option to to trial. I find that, you know, I've had a lot of people support me my mum is very supportive of me. She's she's great. I don't think, you know, after having all the babies and even before having them, she'll take me to every appointment. She went to every appointment with me. Oh, that is amazing. Um, but are you getting much sleep? Is it hard to manage three babies? <laughs> <laughs> because I haven't had kids previously, it's the only thing I know. I I didn't get much sleep in the beginning they were in hospital for 52 days in the NIC unit, which is intensive care for babies. And then they were in their local hospital for 21 days because they had to learn how to feed properly because they get to a stage where in the womb they learn to suck their, their hands and because they were out of the womb, they didn't have that um, suction proper. Um, when they, cause they were born too early. So they had to go into hospital to learn how to actually feed properly because when they're in the NIC unit, they actually get tube fed through their nose because they had to go through all this trial. Um, and when they're at their local hospital, I was able to stay with them instead of visiting them daily. Um, I got to live in the hospital, so they were fed every hour. So, and newborns get get fed every three hours. So it's one every hour. So I never had any sleep. And then as the time has progressed, I've moved them all into one feeding schedule now. So they get fed one after the other, and then nowadays they get fed um, every three hours or so. But they get to sleep throughout the night, and they get a bigger bottle. So. They do get enough of their feed support. <laughs> oh, wow. That is tough. I take my hat off to you because I'm a mother of singletons and <laughs> I thought that was difficult. So three is another level. Do you have a lot of support? Yeah, I do have, like, my mum is just my rock. She just, you know, as I said, she's been, she went to, she was at my first appointment when I was pregnant. She found out with me that there were triplets in that appointment. She's been to every appointment ever since. She visited me in hospital when I was in hospital when I gave birth to them because I was in hospital for about eight days after they were born. They were born emergency cesarean, so I got preeclampsia afterwards and I was put in myself into intensive care so I couldn't see my boys for a couple of days. Oh, no. Yeah. I was hooked up to a million cords and that because I had to have some magnesium sulfate drip um, of medicine through my body to try and help my preeclampsia. Could you just explain preeclampsia to anyone who's listening who doesn't know what that is? Uh, it's, it's to do with your blood pressure. I had high blood pressure just at the very end of the week before the boys were born, but 
it could happen before pregnancy, like to, before you have birth or it can happen after you have birth. They said to me that it's quite critical if you don't um, act on it quick when after birth as well because sometimes they send mothers home without getting it treated and they'll have an episode and then they could die. Um, apparently it can cause dizziness, you can faint, you can have seizures, it's to do with the blood level, I think, be, being too high. Um, so they've got to put this drip in you to help. Sti- I think it's just something to stimulate the body to help level it all out. Um, my legs ended up shaking uncontrollably after birth, and that's how they knew that I had preeclampsia. I had to be on blood pressure medicine once I got out of the hospital, but I'm not on it anymore. But I've just got to, if I ever have an episode where I'm dizzy, uh, that's something to do with my blood pressure, and then I would know I'd have to go back onto medicine. But I've never been on blood pressure medicine ever um, until having them, though I've always had a good blood pressure level. <laughs> I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So when you started, well, basically a low-fat whole food plant-based diet, because I don't, I don't imagine that the meal delivery service was very high in fat, was it? It was not set on something like it was healthy enough, but like you know, it wasn't. It's not like eighty ten ten, like where you'd have ten percent of fat. So, it, it I think it would vary depending on what meal that they made, but they were quite you know reasonable. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, but when did you start noticing differences in your period? Probably not even probably under six months of being a vegan, and I wasn't like you know doing too much other than change my eating patterns, like cutting out all the foods that I was originally eating heaps of, like dairy and meat, I I found it wasn't as, you know, frequent 30 days like everyone else or less, but it was a lot more than the four four a year or less that I was having because if you have four or less, it turns into cancer with PCOS. So it gets a bit of like they tell you to go on the pill, which masks the whole situation. It doesn't actually fix it. That's why when you go on the pill, like I find that being on the pill when I was younger, it masked the whole situation and I didn't actually get to find out completely what my whole condition was until I was off it. See, I'd never even thought about that as the side effect of being on contraception. On the, on the contraceptive pill? It just, yeah, it, like because you have a regular cycle because it's making you have a cycle, it doesn't actually fix or resolve anything if it doesn't know what's wrong and you're having all these other symptoms like the weight gain and, you know, hair falls out and you have patchy skin and facial hair and all that sort of stuff. It, then when you're off a pill, it goes a bit crazy because you don't get to have a cycle. It's a bit bizarre, but... I guess it depends on what type of personality you are. If you're trying to have kids one day like I am, it's a bit, you know, hard to try and deal with. But I guess it's beneficial for people that don't like to have them as often. But <laughs> Yeah, I was just wondering because you said, you said that you loved cheese and all those things before adopting a plant-based diet. Was there was there a big struggle at the start? Like, was there struggles transitioning? Um, I think the amount of fiber that I was having was a big start to my system. I think there was moments where I did miss it. My husband doesn't eat the same as what I do. So when you're in the same household as someone else that eats it's different from you, things like smells and stuff can trigger you in the beginning to go, well, you know, I feel like that too. You know, it's a mindset too. Like, you can always do your own thing like if 
he's ordered pizza, you can always either make or order pizza that's in your a vegan way, you know, so you don't actually miss out as such. But if you're eating healthy, you just got to stick to it and know that doing these things will get you to the end result. <laughs> yeah. So basically, we often talk about having a big enough why and lots of people who make these types of changes have a catalyst, they have a big enough why, you know, a health catalyst or a fear or a thing like you, you know, yeah. yourself wanting children. Like eight years is a long time. I'm guessing that it got to the stage where you were like, I'm willing to do anything. <laughs> Uh, I had basically it's like a cycle it's you go through going I plan to do this and see if that works and you do many many tries of this one plan doesn't succeed and then you go through a pitfall of depression and then you start back up again and it's what how my cycle of eight years was was basically I'll pick myself back up let's try plan b let's try plan c like I just went through each of the stages, but health-wise, I had a lot of issues before going vegan other than my PCOS. I had to take probiotics to help me with my IBS, and IBS was triggered once I had my gallbladder removed, and I can't tolerate dairy from that. And so even eliminating those products out of my diet, no pro- I don't have to take a probiotic I don't have to worry about, you know, going out in public and having to rush to the bathroom because of IBS. I found that my skin doesn't break out as much. I do break out an occasional bump here and there, but it's not like it used to be. Um, being that the condition I've got makes you break out with acne too. So I found it got under more control, I guess. I guess I go to the bathroom a bit more, but that's from the intake of what, you know, fiber in your diet everyone's shocked by that at the start (laughs) i find that i don't have to worry so much like about my like what intake i'm taking because i eat such a variety of food now i'm not as fussy i suppose with my food i I am fussy with some things but I, i eat so much more than i used to I guess I'm willing to try more things. Uh, it, it helps you experiment with more foods, being more creative in the kitchen. Uh, bonus is weight loss. Uh, for me, I think it's more, you know, becoming, feeling more like a woman because I can have a cycle a bit more than the four time a year one. Now I'm having it so regular that I'm normal. And to me, that's great. <laughs> I just, it's like everyday life now, like because I've been vegan now for over three years now. It just feels normal. Doesn't like it's not like I'd ever backtrack because I think in the beginning I was more like I'll do this for diet, you know, see if I can get any benefit from it, and I'll go back if I feel like it doesn't work. And I've never looked back. I've always stuck to it. Like even if I changed diet patterns in a vegan, like juicing to raw or to, you know eating normally a vegan or not, you know, raw to four or something, it's all vegan food. It never varied from it. And the more I researched about it, the more learning about what it can affect on the body and all the stuff that they put into all those, like the dairy and the meat and stuff, I didn't want that excess hormones into my body, which is not controlled with the hormones I've got already. It was just like... 
my mind was set going, no, I don't have to go backwards. So how, how was it with your, you said your husband, he's not your partner, is not vegan. Um, how do you find that? Was he supportive of you going vegan or how did, how did you find that working on that as a, in a, as a couple? Uh, he's very supportive of anything I choose to do. He could see that I am no longer, I guess, as having issues with my condition and we came to an agreement because he's adamant of his own opinion on meat and dairy and I'm not going to be able to change him on any of that and, you know, maybe he'll see that there's a difference in me and maybe he'll do the same but unlikely because he's set in his own way is that if we ended up having girls, he would allow them to be a vegan diet they were, he's not very adamant with the boys that we've got at the moment to have a vegan diet, though I think I would be educating them as they get a bit older to make their own choices in life and then go from there. But uh, I think because he knows how much if we both have come to an agreement, if we had a girl, she might have the same condition as me and make life better for her if she ever wants kids one day to have the options that she wants, like I could, with having a regular cycle to have kids, it's... Bit of a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, no-brainer. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll play it by ear, but it's it's hard in some respects when uh, his family are one-sided and he and my family is very supportive, but, you know, you just do what you got to do and... That's all you can do. Like, you know, you have to just do what works for you and, you know, you'll be doing lots and lots of food preparation for your kids. So I guess then you'll oh, have... Oh, sure. You'll have... Make it my Yeah, you'll be able to make it your way <laughs> unless and when he, the kids are with him and he wants to, then he can make different decisions. But, you know, that's still, that's still a lot of meals that will be fairly healthy plant-based meals, which will be wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, being that I'm the sole, sole cooker, it'd be fine. I don't cook for him. I just cook for myself and they'll just eat what I'm eating. What would a day in the life of your eating be like now? Because I put on weight from being in the hospital and coming out and sitting down and not being able to work out as much as I'm trying to venture when I can outside. I basically with my exercise regime is very different from working out every morning and going to work. I basically have a twin pram. I go out with two of them in the pram and one strapped onto me. And that's how I venture outside unless someone's with a single pram next to me and with my mum and we go for a walk together, but she doesn't come as often as like every day. So I have an elliptical trainer in the house. So whenever the boys are settled and I know they're going to sleep for a little bit, I might be able to pop onto it, but it's not as frequently as I'd like. Yeah, of course. I'm amazed that you're, st- you're doing that. <laughs> uh, it's just that I feel like because I was on bed rest a lot of my pregnancy, I was told I couldn't work out. So I feel like I haven't worked out for a whole year. So I I have to get back to the regime that I feel like my body's aching for it because I've been waiting to be free with my body to do whatever I want. Yeah, and I think being sitting down and not because I was in a standing job and you know and working out, it's just those things. I, I think my body craves to do something rather than sitting down all day. And plus, it gives me time out from them to do something for me. You are so much more switched on than I was when I had my first. You've had three all at once, and you're already into the self care stuff. Got it, got it down. 
I guess there's just eight years of planning. They, I guess with the eating for myself, I have recently started the last two weeks eating whole plant based diet through mostly through the high carb Hannah stuff. Yeah, yeah, perfect. She's she's great. It's a bit hard eliminating salt and oil for me because you get the sugar from fruit, but um I'm so far done two weeks of it. Um bit boring with some of the like stuff without the stuff when you crave for salt. But um there is, I'm going to buy some of the, I think it's Benson Tasty Salt or something. It's supposed to be seasoning for salt-free, but it tastes like salt. So I'm going to see what that's going to be like, if I can order some online. I feel like everything I've got to do is online because venturing outside is quite tough. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's because I think that, you know, going low-fat and going whole food is easy, but the salt and oil, that, had, that, that was the hardest thing for me as well. You get so used to cooking and eating a certain way and having that type of flavour in your food. It's a massive difference. When I got to the hospital, because I was eating a lot of hospital food and it was awful, and then I just ended up eating what was whatever left in the freezer and fridge, which is all like because I ate whatever I wanted as being pregnant because I got to the stage that I was like, oh, okay, well, I can eat whatever I want of vegan food. So I was just eating all the junk food, vegan food that I had in the cupboards. And then I think because I'm sitting down so often, it's now to the point of like I'm feeling not myself anymore. So I'm trying to go back to feeling more healthier. I think my also aim is to drop enough weight so I don't have to use IVF if I want to go have more kids. Oh my goodness, you're incredible. (laughs) You're going to have more babies. (laughs) Well, I would like to have at least, I don't know, I'd be happy with another two. Wow, you're incredible. I had one, I've got two kids. I had one and I was like, never again. Even though it was beautiful, I had great pregnancy, a great birth. I just found it so overwhelming having so much of my life sacrificed to another being. Even though I loved him so much, I just found it so... I wanted four originally. And then when he came out, I was like, that's it. <laughs> I, I guess having dedicated, I feel like I've dedicated eight years of my life just focused on something, even though I might have deterred and got depressed. I've I always had that focus. And that energy is now put into kids as like, you know, and I feel whole, like I've gotten the complete feeling that I needed. I just love kids in general. Like I was a nanny before. And being pregnant again, you only got one pregnancy. Now you get to do it again. I would love to do it all naturally now. I'd love to see what it's like to actually give birth normally without having to be told I has to be an emergency cesarean and have the options that I originally wanted when I thought I was, when I first was pregnant going, I want to choose all these things in life. And, uh, you know, like a water birth couldn't have that. So, and having them in hospital for so long and having the issues that, you know, when that plays a part, one of my boys got sick with the flu and I wasn't allowed to touch him for two weeks. Oh my God, my heart's broken. Breaking when you can touch the other two and it's because they don't want him to make you sick to make the other two sick and he's sick and you just want to touch him to comfort him. So it, it can be very tough. Oh, I have tears in my eyes just imagining being a mum to a little tiny baby and you yeah. can't touch him for two weeks. And I also had, the, like, one of them was born with 
a level two brain bleed, though it's something that they can correct on their own when it's one and two level, but when it's three and four, they can't. And they had to take a sample out of his spine to see if he's got an infection through the brain bleed, if it's leaked into different places. And having to be told this baby that's only a couple, a week or two old, have a spinal tap to get a sample out of it and the first sample cannot sometimes not get enough and they might have to do it a few times it's heartbreaking and luckily enough the first sample was fine and as time has progressed the brain bleed's gone so he's worked on it himself do they get anesthetic for that spinal babies don't really get anesthetic um, when it becomes that sort of stuff they get a thing that's sugar drops and the sugar drops basically like make him a bit drunk in a way and they don't feel it as good like it when it's like a sensation that they get from having it so they give it to them when they've got to do like blood samples and needles and that i feel like a lot of it went out of my control when like Example, like I wanted to supply enough supply for breast milk, which I pumped for three months of their life and not being able to have them attached to me. I think my milk supply dropped off a lot, even though I took a lot of medicine to try and help stimulate it and having enough to supply for three. And every time they grew, they would have more. And I'll get to a point where like, yes, I'm making enough for all three. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, they've grown more. You've got to add more to to your supply and end up being half and half with formula and breast milk and then by the time they were in my care in the hospital when I could live with them for the 21 days having to function with them and pump and because they weren't learning to they had to learn to breastfeed and bottle feed at the same time it was just too much for not enough time for myself in the three hours to try and feed one every hour and you know pump and you know spend all the quality time with them so I ended up being, you know, and my supply dropped off. So I was like, okay, well, it was just formula now. But if I had a single birth, I think, and having that connection straight away, um, having them latch straight away, maybe my supply might have lasted a lot longer. But it's hard when, like, they're in a crib and you've got a picture to look at. It's a bit different from having a baby attached to you and take all these bags to the hospital in, like, a freezer cooler to just go, here you go, here's all my milk. And you don't actually physically feed them. It goes down a tube into this. So they just basically plunge it down into their stomach. That is so hard. I I was a terrible pumper, breast pumper. And I, like, even if I had my babies with me, I still could barely get anything out. It's just such a, which is one of the reasons why I'm vegan, because I just know how tough it is to breastfeed or pump, you know, it's tough. So just having someone steal your baby and then and then breastfeed for somebody else to steal your milk. It's just and pump, you know, and pump twice a day for some other species to drink your milk. Oh my gosh, my nipples are sore just thinking about it. <laughs> I just, you know, it's it's, you know, what you had to like persevere with, like, you know, be with them as I was at their side every day and I had to visit them every night so basically they got to a point going you need to come in and do more contact through trying to help them to breastfeed so because i'd visit once a day because i was i wasn't allowed to drive at that stage because having a cesarean yeah. oh gosh i didn't even think about that Golly. yeah my mum would drive me daily to visit them so i spend because they'd have visiting hours it was really tough so they were basically every 
they had cares every three, uh, sorry, every three hours, was it? Must have been, or maybe every four hours. So they had a schedule plan of care times and they had visitation times. And so when my mum dropped me off, I could go visit them anytime I wanted. But when it becomes other people that aren't mother and father, even grandparents, so that she's their grandmother, she could only come through visitation times. So she could only basically come between for one hour in the morning from 11 to 12. And then she could come again at, for two hours in the evening. So because I was dropped off every morning to spend time with each of them, she could basically only come in for an hour. So she had to wait around in the neighborhood for many hours between while I was hanging out with the babies, come, come to visit throughout that time schedule of that one hour. And we found out towards the end of it that no one actually said to us that other people could hold the babies other than the parents was that she could hold them through the carer's time. So basically one baby was only allocated during that time for carer's time. So she could only hold one baby out of the three for that one hour. And then the two in the evening, one didn't link up with any of them. And then the other hour in the evening was another baby. So my mum could hold at least two in the in the whole time frame of being in that hospital, but never hold the uh, the last one. Oh, that's so heartbreaking! Like, you know, when this is her first grandchildren, so she was so you know, it was a bit heartbreaking for her too, because like she's very motherly and wants to, you know. She's very protective and, you know, cuddly, nurturing and, you know, having told you can't hold any of them or one in particular. But, you know, and then by the time they got to the actual local hospital, because they were living in the the hospital for those amount of days, were able to pass them to each other and actually feel more like it's like the connection to home. So we're able to do a lot more with them than being told, no, this is not your time schedule. You cannot touch them. It's just, it's, they've got very strict rules in, I guess they have to be, but um, it's hard when you've got multiple, when if you had a single birth list and that happened, you'd have more time with them because I think the care times might've linked better with the visiting times. Because you've got to spend that time quality throughout the three of them yeah, too. Yeah, three babies. Oh, my God. Um, but having to travel. So when I had to pump, I would have to – they wanted me to come in twice to do – try and get them to learn to breastfeed properly. I'd have to – I'd come in the morning. So I'd be there for four hours from uh, – I think I'd start at nine maybe. So 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock I'd leave, go home, eat pump as much as I could for every two to three hours I'd try and pump and then I'd go back at 9 p.m in the evening and do the whole cycle again so every 12 hours I was there twice it made it tough because I'd be driving in the middle of the night half sleepy because it wasn't around the corner it's about a 45 minute drive for my parents and I end up staying at my parents for from the end of my birth uh, sorry end of my pregnancy to to by the boys were out of that hospital to the second hospital closer to my house. I was only given the option to give birth in two of the hospitals and one is closer to the city, which is way too far from where I live. And the other one was uh, 45 minutes from my parents' place or it's about an hour and a half from where I live. So being that's closer, if there was a problem, I, I, by, I was put on bed rest by end of 23 weeks, close to 24 weeks. 
So I was on bed rest until, and then I had them at the end of 28 weeks, so 28 weeks and five days. So, yeah, spending that time in my parents and I'd have to go to weekly doctor visits during that bed rest stage too. So nonstop trips to the hospital. I'm a bit over the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I bet you are. But still, what an amazing story. Honestly, coming from such eight years with PCOS and with irregular periods and, in, you know, all of those issues that you had to end up with three beautiful, healthy babies now. I really think also because I've been vegan for three, over three years and being that I was eating quite well through my pregnancy of, you know, healthily and went with cravings too but you know I had healthy food that was all vegan having that helped them put enough weight on to get to the point of they were healthy enough like even all the nurses and that when they were in there going oh how much they've developed and grown and they're doing so well without like they didn't because I had them so urgently and sporadically they didn't they give you a steroid shot for lung um, development because they were going to get born early and I didn't have any of that because they just came sporadically early and they didn't really have much problems with their breathing. I think that's also part of my lifestyle of diet too. I would really like to know what your, if other women out there who are having fertility issues, what would be your three biggest tips or pieces of advice for women who are going through something similar to what you went through? For me, don't lose hope of motivation to get to the point of where you want to be. If you decide, you know, I want, you know, lots of kids or one kid or, you know, any kid, don't think that's your last option to do this. There's always multiple different methods and ways research have a look to see what's out there because once one plan doesn't work and you've trialed it for so long try a new one because that's what happened to me I always have that dedication well it's to me I feel like I was always dedicated to planning and researching to find something new or something like that I do find that with my condition if someone else has the same condition I always recommend them to eat the same lifestyle as a vegan lifestyle even if it might be junk food or it might like of the vegan lifestyle or it could be healthy any of those I still had a regular period throughout all of it I feel my best when I'm eating healthier but even if they wanted to start out one way in the lifestyle and then continue on to get healthier or they want to have a regular cycle to try and naturally I always recommend to do that so that's two things the third thing I would say I guess always surround yourself with supporting people I've had a few issues with a few or one person in particular throughout my whole journey and to always have the supporting people beside you to help you go through any of the humps and bumps along the way because you don't want someone dragging you down at the same time. It's so important. I think a lot of people, that's been their tip as well, getting a community around you of people who are yeah supporting you and rooting for you to succeed so yeah they're my top three things i would recommend (laughs) oh well thank you so much for sharing your story with me and the listeners for this podcast because i know i know myself many women who are living with pcos polycystic ovarian syndrome if i didn't mention that earlier if we didn't cover that earlier but it's um 
it's an issue that's affecting so many women and I think more and more from what it sounds like. Um, maybe I'm just in that space of people having babies. That's why it seems like it's more and more. But it does and it's just so sad. I think it's one in eight women have it. That's what I've read somewhere. It's it's pretty common and it's some people because they might have the PCO without, without the syndrome part at the end, they might not show the symptoms but they, other than having not been able to be fertile, to be able to have kids. Otherwise, if they're showing the symptoms, it means that they've got the condition. So they've got all the symptoms that go along with being infertile. So even with both, you're still going to, some are hidden <laughs> amongst the society. So it is hard and I guess just persevere, I guess, is my motto for it. Persevere. That's a good motto to have. Congratulations. I, I, I It's just, it's such a beautiful story to go from eight years of really struggling. It's like your body's failing you and it, as a woman feeling, you know, not having your cycle and all those things, facial hair, all those things is so damaging on your emotional and mental health from what I imagine it hasn't happened to me but um to get through the other side and and give birth and have three babies as a result you know two babies is like whoa one baby would have been amazing three babies holy moly it's just just such such a wonderful story when I saw it um on Facebook um, when I asked you to come on the show I knew that it would be a story that so many people would just find so, you know, wonderful and amazing and hopeful because it is such a hope-filled, incredible journey that you've been on. I find that it's worth all the tears and all the pain that I had to go through just to get to the point that I am now. I don't know. It's my completing story of my family. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, tell me your favourite, most best part since becoming a mother. Oh, there's so many. Uh, like, it's hard to pick just one. Just pick one. It doesn't have to be the best. It just can be the one that comes to mind. I, I Can I give you two? Yeah, of course. Of course. Absolutely. Well, the best moment I've had with them is leaving the hospitals. I was so excited to leave. I packed up all their stuff so quickly. I just wanted to get out of there straight away because I felt like I was living for me, it's the only thing I, I they, it's the only thing they knew was a hospital, but I knew there was life outside the hospital. So it was like the most celebrated time for me because it was able to be able to do the things I wanted to do without the restriction of what they wanted to implement as doctors because um, they have their own routines and checks and, you know, they wake you up for monitoring and all babies up for monitoring and at home you don't have to do that and you can actually – do your own thing as a mother and actually feel like a more of a mother than, you know, in a hospital environment. And the best feeling so far, they've all started smiling lately. So they're all, for me, like they wake up in the morning and they just give you the biggest smile and it might be early hours of the morning at 3 or 4 a.m. and you're half asleep. It just, I just smile back at them because it just makes me so happy that they're content. I'm content. I got, you know, they're, they're my boys. So, like, for me, it's very satisfying. It's like I've gotten to a happy spot in my life. Well, you so deserve it. Eight years is 
is long. You know, it's a long time to fight so hard for something that you want to have your family. I feel like even though I tried all these methods like acupuncture, Chinese medicine, like, you know, I took medicine from a fertility doctor that didn't work. It just, and none of that actually fixed my condition. And luckily enough, I felt like there must be something more than life with having this condition, you know, the, someone else in the, might have done something that might have fixed or helped or something. And luckily enough, there's social media where you can actually Google and find something and seeing that other people that have the condition and, oh, look, they've actually helped rectify the whole issue with it, just eating one way. And some people go for vegan for animals or eco-friendly stuff or health. It just... For me, it was just like, why not? And for me, it just, I feel like it's just opened my eyes to going, well, it's fixed so much other things in my life. Ugh, it's just, I, I am, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm speechless. It's such a beautiful story. And just, I'm just thinking about taking your babies home, like thinking about putting myself in your position. It's, it's just, would, be, would have been such a beautiful like a, a normal pregnancy, like you, you're in hospital, you have them maybe a couple of days later, you get to go home with them, you get to do all the motherly stuff. I had to, because I, I feel like, yes, I had to wait eight years to have them. I also had to wait months of them and being in a hospital crib. And I just kept saying to myself, yes, I feel so lucky and blessed that they're here, but I, you know, having to connect with them now that I actually get to be at home in my own environment, able to pick them up when they cry, not told don't touch them. Like it's, for me, I feel like I'm my, I'm myself. I'm a mother now. And it was like the final piece can just take them home and actually be their mother, their decision maker. Yeah. I think it's also frees you from other people's opinions and what things you should do and having to listen to that daily with each nurse that came in and it's a bit draining when you're trying to it's also very hard when you're trying to you're trying to be strong you're trying to be strong for them and there's moments when you're in the hospital and a nurse will turn around and say something and you've got to you're trying to be happy and they trigger something off and you just want to burst into tears because they've said something wrong to you. And then you can't leave because you're in a hospital zone with them for them. So it makes it very difficult. So yes, I've had a few moments like that in the hospital, but you make through it and I feel like I'm on the right side of the path. <laughs> so just to clarify, you went, how long were you vegan before the round of IVF? where you got pregnant it wasn't an IVF though was it it was an ovulation probably two years because uh, I've been pregnant and they're what close to five months now so yeah so probably I was probably uh, close to two years Uh, but I had a cycle that was normal but I just haven't lost enough weight so I did so many methods to try and drop that those extra kilos but my condition just likes to hold on to them and I didn't want to wait around to see if my body would regulate on its own because I just I'm getting to the stage in my life I've been trying for so long I just needed that push to help me have kids because I don't want to be 40 and trying to have kids and have more issues with my body or anything like that so because my mum had my brother at 39 and had a lot of complications so I just didn't want to be like her 
I wanted to have them at least earlier, a little bit earlier in life than that because I'm, I started trying for kids at 21 and I'm 29 now. I find that, you know, you might be healthy in an aspect like eating well, but retaining all this weight still, it wasn't dropping off and even working out because you, when you work out, you create muscle and, you know, healthy muscle. So, and it's frustrating when you're going, okay, well, my muscle mass has gone up, but my fat's gone down, but I'm still my same weight. <laughs> yeah. The IVF is BMI, which you have to be under a certain BMI to start. So I'm so, so happy for you and so grateful that you agreed to come on to the show and share your story. Cause I know that so many women out there um, are going through something similar to what you went through and, you know, you give them such a huge, um, piece of hope and inc- and motivation, inspiration to keep moving forward like you did and keep going until they find a path that works for them. And and it seems like you know a whole food, plant based, you know, a, a, a vegan diet in this instance worked for worked for you. And so that's so wonderful to hear. That's all right. Thank you. You again, Christine. I just wanted to mention, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, I share new content every Sunday, sometimes Monday, mostly recovery stories, stories of people who have adopted a low-fat whole food vegan diet to help them address their chronic diseases or any other kind of ailments or illnesses that they may have. I also interview doctors, psychologists, naturopaths, nutritionists, you know, any kind of specialist expert in the area of a low-fat whole food vegan diet. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. If you have subscribed, but you haven't yet left me a five-star rating because you love the show so much and you want to leave a review saying how awesome the show is, I would be so happy with that just because it sounds like I just want flattery, but your flattery helps to promote this podcast so that more and more people can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and social media. If you share it, like it, all those types of things, it means that more people can hear these stories that may be living with heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, PCOS, um, infertility, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. There are so many different people and stories on this podcast and they will continue to grow and share new episodes, new people, new stories with everyone. So I really hope that if you have the time to subscribe, leave a rating and a review, it would really help me and my purpose of spreading hope across the world that there is, you know, potentially an incredibly wonderful, kind, sustainable, beautiful solution to people's health. So please help me and help others. That'd be great. Thank you so much. See you next week. Bye.